Good evening, human race, and some of those that are not human and are unidentifiable by English word. Tonight I'm going to, tonight is the first night of me breaking down what I mean by the five pillars of self-actualization. This is going to be pillar one. The physical body. And before we get into this, quick disclaimer. I am by no means a medical health professional. I am by no means Jesus, Lord Krishna, the prophet Muhammad, or any other spiritual guru. I'm I'm just a man trying to be a man, trying to be the best man that I can. And I'm going to post the link to this full article if you would like to delve deep into what it actually means. And the link is going to be to my website. Some of the links that are in my website are affiliate links. This means that if you follow any of those external links and you make a purchase, I might receive some compensation for it. Um, You know what I'm saying? I got I got to pay the bills. I got to keep the lights on. Especially right now when they're trying to control the amount of time that we're allowed to use the lights. But I, I I only recommend products that I know, love, trust. And again, I am not a licensed medical professional. And the statements made in this content, content are not a substitute for medical treatment. Psychological treatment. Or any other professional help. This is for entertainment and educational purposes only. So with that being said, now that we aired out the room, I'm going to take a quick second. And I want you to do the same. And just clear out your old energy real quick. Do that with me, if you will. It will only take a few seconds and it'll last a lifetime so you're going to hear a slight pause for about 10 seconds and then we'll get into it Okay, so the five pillars of what I call self-actualization. And the reason why I call it that is because the way that I see it, so it's like if you're going to start a band and your band had five people to complete the band, you need a vocalist, you need a guitarist, you need a bassist, You need a drummer. And then the other part would be, let's say it's a lead guitarist. Let's say it's a a banjo player. Let's say it's a tambourine. Let's say whatever, whatever the missing link is. Maybe it's an A&R or a manager. That's the one. So in order to compete with all the other bands, you have to hire the best of said musicians to position yourself in the place 
where it makes sense for you to actually be a band. So that's why I call it the five pillars of self-actualization. And you're going to catch a lot of insights and a lot of metaphors revolving around being in a band and life being music. Because that's the simplest form, because music is so popular, that I can break down that everything is actually based on vibrations and waveforms. So, with about 20 minutes on my computer, let's break this down. There are five important areas in our life that make up who we are, and they all work in conjunction. And I call them the five pillars of self-actualization. So as I explained in my book and my courses, which I will send, I will put the links below, these pillars being in working order determine how far you go in life. And while it seems common sense, you would be quite surprised to see how many unseen factors are at play working against you, keeping them in top shape. And I'm trying to say what I'm trying to say without saying what I'm trying to say. If you know, you know. So let's break them down. Pillar one, which is what we're getting into today. Your bones, your muscles, your nerves, your organs, your instinctual drivers. Which means, you know, your amygdala and those parts in the brain. Our vehicle. This is our spaceship throughout the material world, right? And this also includes things like your hygiene, your clothing and nutrition, which is why I have all these affiliate links, because these are the people that I, I know and trust that are actually moving this thing forward. So your body is a vast ecosystem. It's basically a, a replica of the universe and then the solar system and then the planet and then the microcosm and then or the macrocosm and then you and then a the microcosm. You're just a reflection in this whole thing, right? Forgive me, there's somebody distracting me in the background. <laughs> so your body is a vast ecosystem that needs to be maintained like a sports car, right? And just like a car has multiple systems working, you know, you have your electrical system, your mechanical, your brake system, your exhaust, all these different things working in conjunction. The human body has several systems working. And I'm going to use a lot of metaphors like the car, a band, and the universe, things like that, to explain what I mean. And so, in no in no order of importance, you don't need to have a preference for any of these. I'm just kind of do a breakdown real quick, so wonder, so you understand how simple and complex it is at the same time. Like again, everything that I portray has to do with the yin and the yang. So the first system is your skeletal system. Your bones are the base of the body. It's basically the frame of the vehicle, right? So your your bones have joints, ligaments, cartilage, and connective tissues all attached to them. The bones help you to hold your body up against gravity, environment, and protect your body from damage. That's their basic function. Because you can have all the muscle you want, but without the frame, there's no reason to have any muscle you know what i'm saying you would just be a, a a ball of sludge just crawling across the earth like a fucking earthworm or a snail 
right? So that's why you have a skeleton. And so you can advance and you could, you have a frame so you could build better muscles and build better organs and build, we'll get into that later. The second system is your muscular system. It's obvious, again, the muscles attached to the skeletal system via the connective tissues, ligaments, cartilage, and to propagate movement in the body as well as protecting the internal organs from damage. Now, if you've ever seen boxer videos where they go and they give them chest shots and gut shots, they're, they're testing their muscle. If they were... If they didn't have that muscular wall built around the organs, they would get punched in the liver. And because there was such a a thin wall of muscular tissue in between the skin and the organs themselves, the organs would be damaged. That's why it's so important to get into the gym. That's why people like Ron Wills talk about the body game so much. It's a natural thing. The more muscle you have the better you are able to survive. It's a fact. There's nothing you could do about it. It's natural. And these are some of the reasons. And so three, the nervous system. The nervous system is responsible for the body communicating with itself, communicating with the external environment, and communicating what it feels in response from the external environment to the amygdala and the other parts of the brain to survive. So based on the sensory input and integration, the nervous system responds by sending signals to muscles, causing them to contract, or to the glands, causing them to produce secretions. And those secretions being hormones or T-cells or, you know, all of these things. So muscles and glands are called effectors because they cause and effect in response to directions from the nervous system. So this is the motor output or the motor function, which also includes the eye, the hair, and the nails. And for babies, it would be a placenta and the umbilical cord and things of that nature. It's how you feel the world from the physical plane and how you send signals to your brain to to react and respond to those input signals, right? So it's really simple, but it's actually pretty complex if you think about it. And the mother nature and 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 father whatever and mother mother father are very 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 smart in what they were doing in the ten million years plus or whatever that it took us to evolve. Anyways, so for the endocrinal system. So this is along the nervous system and it regulates the body's activities. So like that's what I was saying. So when the nervous system gets a response, it'll either send it to the muscles to contract or make a reaction or to the glands to secrete a hormone to tell that particular part of the body what to do. So where the nervous system operates through electrical impulses to communicate the endocrine system uses chemicals called hormones. So the endocrinal system contains blood, vessels, kidneys, and the eight endocrine glands, right? So the functions of the glands are very different depending on what 
area of the body, which correlates also to your chakras in a weird way. So, and Chinese medicine and all of that shit. So, while you may be getting bored learning or relearning 7th grade biology, it's going to be a huge refresher course, I promise you. Bear with me. But... Let's take a look at the glands of the endocrine system and discover what's really driving us every day. At the top, the pituitary gland. It's about the size of the pea. It's largely responsible for stimulating the hormones throughout the body. So it's kind of like a, a storage center. So the is it the hippocampus, whatever, in the front of the brain controls most of those things. That's like the cockpit, but then it sends signals to the pituitary gland to, to send them out to different parts of the body where it can't, where it doesn't have that function. It's just a control center. So it sends like the F-14 fighters out. You know what I mean? So the anterior lobe is responsible for releasing hormones from the hypothalamus which is what i was trying to say and the posterior lobe is responsible for releasing hormones via the nerve stimuli so it's like you get burnt and then that sends a, a hormone to the area in the body where you're getting burnt to tell you to move your arm away or fight or flight or all of these things does that make sense so growth hormone is distributed to grow the bones the muscles and organs in the body to little being distributed in a child might create dwarfism or them being short in proportion and too much being distributed and they might become a giant or have an exaggerated bone growth or, you know, those huge elephantitis, all of those things. So the reason why I'm saying you need to pay attention to these pillars is because that thyroid thyroid stimulating hormone or thyrotropin is secreted to stimulate the thyroid gland. Adrenocorticotropic hormone sends a signal to the adrenal gland to release cortisol. Gonadotropic hormone is released to the testes or the ovaries to regulate the growth and the function of the reproductive parts. Prolactin hormone facilitates the growth of breast glands and milk during pregnancy. An antidiuretic hormone pre promotes water reabsorption of the kidneys. Oxytocin is secreted to facilitate childbirth and females arousal and romantic connection. So after you get done having sex and you cuddle, you're building a bond through oxytocin which is what is produced in the womb and it reminds you of your mom and that's where you get that lover's bond from right so the second one is the pineal gland and there's a lot of stuff that i'm not going to say on here that you're going to have to get my course or reach out to me for coaching to discuss because they're trying to shut everything down the way we communicate so this gland is a cone shaped shape structure about the size of a rice grain, like smack dab in the middle of the brain. And its sole responsibility is to reg regulate the oxytocin, the melatonin, and the circadian rhythm of the body through the visual and nervous stimuli. 
So when the temperature outside drops and it begins to get dark, the hair on your arm responds, you get goosebumps, then your skin responds, sends signals through the nervous system up to the pineal gland and the in the and all of these other glands to respond saying, Hey, it's getting cold, it's getting dark. What are we supposed to be doing to remain in homeostasis? Right? And then it's also releasing melatonin when it gets dark through the bloodstream to tell you that it's dark it's time to go to sleep for the six to eight hour cycle that we have at night during the day we're supposed to take like 90 minutes of work and then take a quick little nap or 120 minutes of work and then do a quick little nap back in the ancient tribes we used to go hunting and we would be running chasing after these things and running for 120 minutes will get you tired so you would eat a handful of berries or a handful of nuts, take a quick nap, and then get back after it. And then at night, hopefully, you successfully hunted the animal, you lit a fire, you roasted the meat, and then you slept all night. That's the basis of that. So, it's also known to release the chemical DMT, which is the other stuff that I'm not allowed to talk about, which is known to have a psych psychedelic effect and it also is released allegedly the time you are born and the time that you die to give you a psychedelic effect yada 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 but as we age the pineal gland becomes calcified and there's also a bunch of agents working against us that help us along with that calcification process and that's why I'm, I'm saying I can't get into that politically here but if you take my course or if you reach out for coaching we we get into that because it is the basis of the function of where we need to be to be activated so again our modern diet accelerates the process of calcification of of the pineal gland and the pituitary gland and kidneys and all of these other functions and our circadian rhythm gets thrown off you know with the, with the calendar changes and all of the time zone changes and all of these other external things they get thrown out of whack so this results in things like sleep and mood disorders hormone imbalances and lethargy you know what i'm saying because nervous responses were were made to do this thing but external factors are kind of manipulating that so it sends a short circuit and things kind of break down over time again not going to get into it your thyroid gland, which is one of the biggest problematic factors of modern society right now, is responsible for releasing a thyro, a thyrosine or thyroxine. I, I'm not a, again, I'm not a medical professional. I don't know the legalese, but it's a chemical that increases the reactions of the chemicals in the cells. And trio triodothyronine which regulates the metabolism the bone growth the digestive functions and the the heart and brain regulation because all of these things have a set rate that you're that they're supposed to vibrate at and all of these other things can get thrown out of whack by external situations situations and calcitonin is also created here which lowers the level of calcium in the blood and marks tumor cells for eradication so again, everything in your body's chemical processes and it's very complex, but it's very simple if you think about it. 
And I break it down in my course, break it down in the book, I break it down in everything that I talk about. If you just pay attention, the links are all blah, 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 blah. But so the thyroid uses large amounts of iodine to process all of these functions. So if your blood calcium level is high or you have calcified glands or you have. Why is this nigga knocking? It's like 10 o'clock at night. Or if you have kidney stones or all of these things, it's mostly because of your diet, but it's also because you are low in iodine. This has also been proven to increase the risk of having large amounts of tumors. So if you're iodine deficient, the thyroid cannot make sufficient hormone to produce all of those regulatory functions that it's supposed to do. So this stimulates the anterior pituitary gland to secrete the thyroid stimulating hormone which causes the thyroid gland to increase in its size to try to overcompensate but it can't produce more comp- more hormones by being bigger because it doesn't have the necessary raw material so what that does is increases the output of cancerous cells so it's a bunch of niggas in the gym all on steroids but they never worked out properly so it's it they're big in the in the short term but in the long run they're just damaging themselves right they're creating a bunch of copies of themselves that are just self-destructive right so some of these little things that pop up are called tumors goiters and cysts and then there's also a bunch of glands underneath the thyroid called the parathyroid which are responsible for the calcium regulation in the bloodstream. And so hypothyroidism is caused by a lack of the parathyroid hormone, and it results in in the high nerve excitability, which is a lot of times a direct result of over-caffeination, over-caffeination, over-consuming alcohol, over-consuming, you know, stimulants, things of that nature. So if you if you have shaky hands, it's a thyroid problem, and you need to reduce the intake of your stimulants. Again, I'll, I'll create another course. I'll create more courses courses for that. So the next one is the adrenal glands, and the primary function of these glands, which are like little, small little, um, basically turkey kidneys above the size of the human kidney. The basic function for these is survival. There's three reasons of them, and they're each responsible for a different type or a different group of hormones. Mineral corticoids are produced by the outside region, and the main mineral corticoid is aldosterone, which conserves the sodium ions and the water in the body. So think about it this way. When you get into a fight or flight situation, and it's not necessarily just fight or flight, there's four different ways you can respawn. You can fight, you can flee, you can freeze, or you can try to talk your way out of it. So that's flight, fight, freeze, and fawn, right? So the first thing that happens is the amygdala sends chemicals, blah, 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 blah. Then the adrenal gland kicks in. And so the adrenal gland kicks in so you can recognize the threat 
and come up with an appropriate response. But what happens is it sends a chemical that attracts through it. It sends a chemical responsible for all four of those functions. And then your lizard brain makes a decision and then your higher brain makes another decision to identify the level of threat. So no matter what, you're you're releasing adrenaline, which is sending basically electrolytes and water into the body to get you ready to run away or to get you ready to fight, right? And if it's too much, then your shit completely shuts down and you freeze. But if you have a higher function in your brain... You kind of freeze, but then you can talk your way out of it or you can kind of fight and get your way out of it by being diplomatic, if that makes any sense. Let's, it's not necessarily the exact process, but it's a layman's way of breaking it down, right? And so what happens when you release all this adrenaline, your blood pressure goes up, the the sodium level goes up because they're sending impulses to all of your muscles to move very fast to get away from the threat or defeat the threat or all of these things, right? So what that does is that depletes your storage of of stored energy that was the reason why it stores the energies for these moments. And so a lot of times when we're over-caffeinated and we're over, over-stimulated, we're just sending these chemicals through our body anyway, and so always at a, a state of hyper awareness and then exhaustion because we're constantly pumping these chemicals so in the middle region they 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 kind of take care of all the glucose the the glucocorticoid is the the hormone that creates the cortisol which increases increases the glucose levels in the blood the third group of steroids secreted by the inner adrenal cortex are gonadocorticoids, right? So the three functions are the fight or flight response, the glucose, which responds to that, and also some of the digestion and all of these things. And then the third one is like uh, the lust factor. So it'll also send, you ever get that little flash when you see a really hot chick and it's like, whew, I must have a baby with her. I must go talk to her. That's coming from your adrenal gland. And so the reproductive hormones are mostly produced by that set of glands, the testes, the ovaries. But it's also getting a signal from the adrenal gland to tell them to respond. Hey, we're going to make a baby turn on. Let's go. Right. And so the most commonly known hormones are epinephrine and neuroepinephrine, which are released when the adrenaline is activated. And these two chemicals are the ones that control your heart rate, your glucose, blood pressure, things of that nature. And so the pancreas is under your stomach. Again, this this correlates with, with the chakras and the medians. And the pancreas is largely responsible for regulating the glucose and the insulin in the bloodstream that comes from the adrenaline rushes and digestion and things like that. So in response to adrenaline activation, the glucose is released 
for the energy. And the pancreas is activated and re releases <laughs> glucagons in response to the low amounts of the glucose that was released based on the adrenal response. And so that leads us to the gonads. So because these are automatically going to get activated because the adrenal gland got activated. Because one of the reasons is because of reproduction. These respond to produce androgens which is a flood of testosterone in your body to give you strength. Or in a woman, it's the ovaries, which produce estrogen and progesterone, which is to release baby-making hormones. So does that make sense? So in a fight-or-flight situation, they get activated no matter what, if it's a fight-or-flight or a fawn or a freeze situation. The pancreas kicks in. It's like, okay, it's not that bad of a situation. Let's level it out. Or you're either fighting or fucking, so then your gonads kick in. And it's like, okay, we're not fighting. We're actually fucking. So, you're, so they're reading the temperature of the room kind of deal, even though, you know what I mean? Even though your mind can lie to you, your body's still doing this, what it's doing. But these can all be manipulated by outside sources that I'm not allowed to talk about that's what i was trying to say about the course and the book and all of these things but they all work in conjunction so if you ever have a problem with any of these things you know exactly where to go and why it's happening that's why this is so important and then lastly but probably the most important is your heart your stomach your small intestine and your thymus so it's although the heart and the stomach and the small intestine and all of these things are part of the other systems that regulate the body. These organs are also producing hormones as their secondary functions. So your thymus releases thymosin, which is a major factor in, in your immune system development, right? Your stomach has a lining in it, which produces gastrin when food is detected. So as soon as food is detected, this chemical is released and it activates your stomach to produce the hydrochloric acid that it needs to start breaking the body or breaking the, the food body down. And then it produces pepsin, which breaks down the food. So it's like vinegar and then baking soda. So it releases an acid to break down the food to get rid of all of the, the impurities and the sediment and get it down to its natural form. And then the pepsin is the, the bicarbonate of, of baking soda that starts helping break down all of those minerals that are left over. So it's like this big science experiment. And then it starts digesting the nutrients of the food where it moves into the small intestine, which which produces a secretion called secretin and colocytokinin. I can't even say that word. 
So secretin activates the pancreas to release a bicarbonate rich, which is what I was saying, fluid that neutralizes the stomach acid as it passes through to the next organ. So the stomach was made to to be able to harness all of the acidity and then the small intestine needs to be more alkaline. So as it's passing between the stomach and the small intestine, it throws a bunch of baking soda on the shit so so it breaks it down, but it's not acidic when it gets into your small intestine, which would cause like cirrhosis and things of that nature. And so the second chemical, cola size, cystokinin, causes the gallbladder to contract, releasing bile into the small intestine to break down the fat. And this is very important because that also gets activated by alcohol. Which is why if you drink too much alcohol, sometimes you'll take a shit or you'll puke and it'll look like egg yolks. That's all the bile trying to protect the body from from the attacker, which is alcohol, because your body doesn't naturally have a defense against alcohol. Which is why it's so heavily marketed, because it shuts down the functions of four out of five of the sectors of the body. So and then in the heart. In addition to just pumping blood and being a regulator for your for your circulatory system, it also acts as an in endocrine organ. So there's little cells in the atria that produce atrial peptin, which regulates the electrolytes and the blood pressure. So it is a electrical output, but it is also a chemical output. So when it outputs chemicals, it tells the rest of the body to the rest of the bloodstream to move at a certain rate. So it's like uh, the guy holding up the stop sign or the, the slow sign. It determines whether you're supposed to stop or go slow, stop or go slow. And it also it, it has way more functions in that than that than we can get into tonight. But I'll just move on to the next system, which is the cardiovascular, because that makes so much sense after the heart, right? So the cardiovascular system consists of the heart, also the blood vessels, veins, and capillaries, right? And also leads into the lymph nodes, which is going to be in the next one. And the major function of this system is to pump all of the chemicals and the hormones in and out of the body through the blood. So the heart pumps blood to all tissues in the body everywhere, and it also functions as a second brain. New research has shown that there are, in fact, neurons in the brain, which makes it serve as an additional brain formation. And these neural clusters regulate the fine tuning of, like I was saying, the heart rhythm, which is the vibration, the, emotion, the environmental factors, and the energetic detection systems. You find about that in my course. That basically means that it receives vibes. So what happens is you have a wall of energy around you and the heart has a... If you ever watch the movie Donnie Darko, there's a line of energy that comes out of the belly button in the characters that tells them their intent. Your heart does that to receive energy from external factors. And that's why it has neurons in it. So it it helps you detect energy 
because energy doesn't lie. People can lie in their body movements, in their facial expressions, and and things of that nature, but energy doesn't lie. Anyways, moving on before somebody tries to assassinate me, blood. So to continue using the car metaphor, the blood is like the gasoline of the engine, so it transports the oxygen from the lungs to the tissues, and then the byproduct of that, which is carbon dioxide from the tissues back to the lungs to get exhaled back through the mouth and out into the environment. So blood is the vessel that carries the hormones from the glands to their designated location. But it also carries the cells that fight off the attackers in our body and it delivers the waste products back to the lymphatic system for removal to get them out of out of the human system. Now the blood vessels are kind of the gas lines that deliver the blood throughout the body and is split into two channels that lead back to the heart. So the pulmonary vessels transport blood from the right ventricle to the lungs and then back to the left atrium. The systemic vessels carry blood from the left ventricle to all the tissues and all the body parts and then returns to the right atrium. And if that doesn't make any sense, just think about it like this. They say your heartbeat is dunk dunk, but there is a dunk dunk in between each dunk dunk. So it's one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, four, two, three, four, which makes perfect sense and why techno and things of that nature have a rhythm that makes us respond in a certain type of way. Again, can't get into that. Veins. Veins carry blood to the heart passes through all the little capillaries and then it into the smallest veins called venules. And from the venules, blood passes through larger and larger sets of veins until it reaches the heart. But unlike the arteries, veins have very thin walls, so they carry more blood. So about 70% of the blood is in the veins at any given time. Now the capillaries are the smallest of the blood vessels and they form connections between the arteries and the veins. So if that didn't make any sense, how they travel there, this is why. And their primary function is to facilitate the exchanges from tissue to blood. I'm trying to find a way to explain that. So on the superhighway, car breaks down, they push it to the side of the road, then they push it to the capillaries, and then the tow truck comes and, and pushes it to the lymphatic system and demolishes the car and does all of what it has to do to get the car off of the highway. It's the best way that I could think of it on the fly. If you're a doctor, please respond in the comments of how that actually works. But I thought that was very cartoonish and, and, and perfect for what I'm trying to do. So... The next section is 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 the the junkyard, right? It's the lymphatic system. And this is you know, I hear all of the time that this is called your immune system.
it's not your immune system because you're not immune. If you're immune, you, your body wouldn't have to fight it off. So that was good and bad marketing. The lymphatic system has three functions. And the first one is to move that interstitial fluid to the bloodstream. And that's the fluid that contains the waste, but it also contains the oxygen and nutrients and delivers those hormones to all the cells. And then as all of the cells, they move around, they expend a lot of energy, they grow, but then they, they continually break down the oxygen, carbon, proteins, and all of the other hormones are exchanged and moved from those cells to the lymph nodes to be processed. So like I said, it was like the junk, the junk cars on the side of the highway have to go through the lymphatic system and they get recycled and they, they strip all the parts that they can use and they send it to the junkyard and either expel it through your feces or you cough or you sweat it out or, you know, all of these different ways that we have to release all these toxins. So then... The second function of, of that is to absorb the fats and the vitamins that are fat-soluble from your digestive system and then transport them to the circulatory system for energy, right? So the remaining nutrients that aren't absorbed by the blood are turned into lymph and stored in lymph nodes. And then the last stage is where they talk about the immune system. So the lymph nodes and other lymphatic organs filter the, the, the lymph fluid to remove all of the microorganisms and all the other foreign entities and all like the dirt that made it past your lungs and all that stuff. And they create lymphocytes that attack and destroy all of the ones that would cause harm. So these lymphocytes start in the bone marrow and along with other blood cells, and they move through the marrow and through the lymphatic organs. So when there's an attack on the lymphatic system, these little soldiers, they're like the secret service, and they, they, they release from the bone marrow and the, and the lymph nodes, and they travel to wherever the site of the invasion is, and then they try to take care of the situation. It's like so the secret service comes out from from the from the tunnel in a football game and it just like puts chloroform on these niggas and drags them back through the tunnel through the bone marrow type thing. So the lymphatic organs, I only talk about four of them. I'm sure there's new science, but just to keep it simple, keep it moving, there's the lymph nodes. You know, they're the size of a bean and they're located throughout the body like your on the side of your pelvis, your groin, in your armpit, in your neck. Then you have the tonsils, which are in your mouth. And I think that there might be two in your nose also. But they help filter the nose and the mouth for the microorganisms that are carried when you breathe. There are three pairs, one on the sides of the tongue. One on the one pair on the back wall of your mouth and one pair in your nasal cavity. Spleen under your stomach. It's a larger version of the lymph nodes, but it's the same thing and it works in tangent with the liver and it filters the blood for pathogens.
and then your thymus to complete the circle from before it's located beyond your sternum. The thymus is responsible for creating the T cells in the body. And so the lymphocytes produced in the thymus rush through your bloodstream and the other lymphatic organs to protect against diseases. Think of it like an attack helicopter factory and it ships the helicopters to your lymphatic quote-unquote bunkers. Now this is also a meridian that you can tap to activate your throat chakra. Not going to get into it right now. So then the next one, um, third, third to last, your respiratory system. So it goes without saying that breathing isn't the only function of this system. Breathing takes in oxygen and releases CO2 through the lungs. But the respiratory system works in tangent with the circulatory system to facilitate the oxygen slash weight exchange. But it's also a container of the pulse of the vibration of the human body, which is again regulated by the the neurons in the heart and more stuff that I'm not smart enough to understand. So basically the trees breathe out a bunch of oxygen sends a signal to the air, sends a signal to us, and we breathe it in. We, in turn, turn that into CO2 after it goes through all of our cells and all of our things. It breaks down as matter, gets released as carbon dioxide, which we breathe out, which sends a signal to the plants, and then they breathe in, and they consume that as energy, completing the cycle. Are you still with me? So to keep using the metaphor of the car, it's kind of like the ventilation system. So the components of the respiratory system are obviously your nasal passage, your paranasal sinuses, the pharynx, the larynx, the trachea, the bronchial tree, and then the lungs. And I go more in depth onto this in the article that I have posted below but I don't want to be on here for more than an hour so the next is the digestive system that includes the tract and the bottom half of all of the components that I just listed so you can think of that as the air filtration system then there's a flap you can either inhale air or take in water and food and if you do that incorrectly you can do it while the flap is open and that's why you can inhale air and drown or inhale water and drown or choke on food because you did two things at the same time that you're not supposed to do so the digestive system includes the tract obviously the digestive organs which process the food and convert it into the energy that the body needs breaking down all the minerals that can be absorbed by the cells so the food is broken down over and over throughout chemical processes in every single one of these parts of the function until the molecules can be properly extracted and the waste can be removed. So that's why the stomach has the hydrochloric acid and that's why bile is released and bicarbonates are released and all of these things, they'll have their functions. 
So the whole system referred to as the GI tract consists of a long tube that extends from the mouth all the way to the anus. Think about it that way. And so the components include the tongue, the salivary glands, the pharynx, the esophagus, the stomach, small and large intestines, the liver, the gallbladder, the pancreas, and more sciences that that happen. And all of these organs secrete the fluids and the chemicals into the digestive tract to digest the food, absorb the nutrients, and remove the waste from the body. The problem is we are ingesting more waste than we are nutrients, and that sets us into flux, if that's the right word. So then after that process happens, it goes into the urinary system. So the urinary system works in tangent with the digestive and the lymphatic processes to remove waste from the body. This system consists consists of the kidneys, the bladder, and the urethra, and those kind of things. So this completes that part of the program. If you would like to see a breakdown of all of these things, check out the article posted below in activatedmasculine.com, or you can watch some YouTube videos about it. But if that makes any sense to you on what you're doing to yourself on a daily basis, that is pillar one. That's where it all starts. As far as your body, what you take into your body and what you produce to your body. If if you are creating bad vibes, if you are unhealthy, if you are... low vibrational it could be just that you are taking in low vibrational energy from your food or from the people or things that you're surrounding yourself by which like I said they all correlate so it could be your social network Or it could be the entertainment that you're taking into your body through your ears or through the subtle subtle visualizations through your eyes or the food that you're taking into your body. And that's pillar one. Peace and blessings.